pray with me this morning? Father, we are just so thankful for the opportunity to be here today and, Father, to be able to worship you. And Lord, some days we are just more keenly aware than others of the heartache and pain that different people are going through and experiencing. There's so many different situations and circumstances in life that, Lord, it just makes it so so hard to come sometimes and to just be ready to receive your word and to praise you and worship you. But God, I pray in moments like today that you would just be so present and so available and that we could feel you moving and working and tugging in our hearts. Father, as we read your word and as we talk, Jesus, I pray that you would speak in an incredible way. God, that you would remind us of who you are. Jesus, that you would remind us of the promises that you've made to us. And Father, that we would just be faithful. Faithful to seek your face. Faithful to read your word. Faithful to come together right now in this moment and say, God, I... I may not feel like it. I may not be ready to worship. But Lord, I just want to offer myself to you and allow you to work and move in me right now as we pray this prayer. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be among us, that it would fill us and work in us and through us, and Lord, that it would change us. We love you today. We thank you for everything, and we ask all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is good to see everybody again. As you know, the past several weeks, we have talked about faith, and we're changing gears and directions, and it's all the same. It all runs together. Faith runs together through everything that we do because it's what our whole relationship with God is built off of. It's built off of faith. And so as we move on today, we're talking about God's Word. The title of the series is The Word. Every week we'll be focusing on something that the Word is. And so as we're talking about this, my hope and prayer is that every single one of you who are in this room, if you're watching online or you're listening to the podcast later on, will take God's Word and make it a part of your everyday life and use it in every aspect of life. The need of God's Word in our life is so significant, and a lot of times I think we forget that. We forget how important God's Word is. And I just want to ask you, you got to participate this morning, you got to raise your hand. How many of you have multiple copies of this in your home right now? Right? Pretty much everyone. Most of everybody has multiple copies. Even if you don't, you have it on your phone. All you young people, you got it on your phone. You can pull up any translation on your phone today. You can look it up. It's so available, right? But the problem is, is when things become so available, they tend to lose their value, right? When it's there, and it's just there at any moment, any time, you can pick it up at any time, it loses its value. And, you know, we serve a Savior, Jesus, a risen Savior, who completely based his life around God's Word. He lived it out. 
I mean, the guy knew God's word front to back, like the back of his hand, quoted scripture constantly, and fulfilled over 400 and something prophecies in the Old Testament that was written about him. He knew God's word, right? And he didn't have multiple copies of scripture in his home. You ever think about that? The copies of scripture during that time were written on manuscripts and scrolls and they were kept in the temple or they were kept in the local synagogues and you had to go there and it was like the spiritual library and you had to have permission to go in and access those and read them and apply it to your life. And Jesus did that. He made it a point to go to read God's word and to learn it because it was something that you just couldn't pick up every day. And so my warning for us today is, is do not make the mistake of seeing God's word as being invaluable because it is so available to you today, but take advantage of the opportunity of having it available to you at any given moment in time because it is one of the most important aspects of your relationship with Christ. It absolutely 100% is. If you're sitting here this morning It's so important for you to to realize that this is God's gift to you as an individual. There's nothing else that exists on earth that is so applicable to the world, to the world of believers as the universal church of Jesus Christ, but also to us as Graham Chapel as believers, but also for you as an individual, this is God's gift specifically to you. When you look at how important it is, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He was in the wilderness. Satan came to tempt him, and he's hungry. I mean, he's starving. If you don't eat for 40 days, you are literally starving at that point. Your body is beginning to break itself down, and it is devouring itself in order to survive. And as Jesus is hungry and he's starving, and, 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 and most of us will never know what that's like, Satan comes and says, look, you're the son of God. Turn these stones into bread so that you can have something to eat. If you're the son of God, you can do this. And Jesus responds to him in verse 4. He says, but Jesus told him, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There comes a point in time in your life where you have to make a decision as to what you believe this is. And it's going to change Not only your physical life, but it will change your spiritual life when you finally decide what you believe that this is is to you. Do you believe that this is God's gift specifically for you? Do you believe that this is the word of God? It makes all the difference in the world because if you don't believe it, then it doesn't make a hill of beans. You're not going to use it. You're not going to apply it. You're not going to read it. You're not going to invest in it. And you're definitely not going to base every decision in your life off of it. I've said it a hundred times. If you want to believe in God, you'll find every reason in the world to believe in him. God will provide it for you. If you don't want to believe in God, you'll find every reason in the world not to believe in him because Satan will provide it for you. If you believe that this is God's word, that this is for you, this is his gift for you, you will find every reason in the world to, to realize that in truth. And if you don't, you'll find every reason in the world not to. But my goal, my hope in this series is that we as a church, as a body of Christ, that you as individuals would make a commitment in your life 
to make sure that this is a part of your daily life, that you apply this to your life, and that you use this to grow in your relationship with God. There's not a shadow of doubt in my mind that we have people in here today, people watching online, who has 100 copies of these in their home and rarely ever picks it up to read it. That you have it right there on your phone. It's one of your top apps. It's right on your front screen as soon as you pull it up. And very seldomly do we open it to dig into it and to read it and to learn and grow in our relationship with God. It's so available, but it's lost its value in our American lives. It just has. And my hope and prayer is that over the next several weeks as we talk about God's word, that there would be a realization that happens in all of us to say that this is God's word and I'm going to make this a part of my everyday life in order to make my relationship with God grow and to be better than it's ever been before. That we would make that commitment together. Because even though you read it, we, we probably always need to be reading it more, right? Now, even though we pray, we need to pray more. Even though we go to church and be around believers, we probably need to do that more. Everything that we do in the name of Jesus Christ, we could honestly sit here this morning and say, we need to do this more. And God's word is no different. This is something that we need to cherish and cling to and grasp a hold of and realize what God wants to do in us and through us and Man, his word is so vitally important in that whole process. And if you neglect it, you're neglecting one of the greatest aspects of your relationship with Jesus Christ. He built his whole life, his whole ministry off of God's word. And if we're called to follow Jesus Christ, if we're called to be like him, then we're called to take God's word and use it in our life and apply it to our life every day in every situation, every circumstance, and this be what we base our entire life around, God's word. That's hard. I, I, I'm sitting here today and I'm telling you because there was a time in my life where I, I was having to make decisions as to whether or not I was going to make this my life or if I was just going to read it and be like, eh, maybe not. You got to make that decision. It's got to be something that you come to terms with. And so today our focus passage of scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3 Verses 15 through 17. We're going to read this every week. All right, you might as well just put this one down. Write it on your mirror at home when you get ready every morning. Write this verse down. Remember this. Memorize it. This is huge. But as Paul is writing to his young protege and he's instructing him, he's encouraging him on how to take care of this church, listen to what Paul says about God's word. He says, You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. God's word, his scriptures, gives wisdom and the ability to receive salvation by trusting in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. That's a decision that you're going to have to sit here today And every day from this point on, and you're going to have to make this decision in your life, do I believe this is inspired by God or was this merely just written by humans on this earth? you got to make that decision because it's going to drastically impact whether or not this is an enormous part of your relationship with Christ or this is going to be a stumbling block in your relationship with Christ for the rest of your life because determining which one you believe is going to have the effect on what the outcome is going to be. Is it inspired by God or is it written by humans? 
And it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We hate that. A lot of people don't want to read God's word because it's very convicting. It tells us exactly the way that God wants us to live, things that should be in our life, things that should not be in our life. And when people read it, it makes us feel like garbage whenever our life doesn't line up with what God's word says that it should be. And you have to decide whether or not you really believe that this is God's word. And this is worth changing your life to live your life in the way that God says that you should live it. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Right here. And you have multiple copies of it and you have access to it every single day at any given moment in time. And you think about this morning. I'm going to pick on us a little bit this morning. All right? You think about how much time we spend watching TV. Listening to music, scrolling on social media, all the different hobbies that we have, all the different things that we spend so much time doing, and how little time we actually give to God's Word. And I'm saying this this morning because there's more time that I should be devoting to God's Word, even in my own personal life. You with me today? And so I'm not just like beating you guys up this morning or whipping you this morning. I'm saying this together, we all need to be ready to make this decision and do this in the name of Jesus Christ. So point number one, I want you to realize, is the word is the most accurate piece of literature that exists on the planet. I'm no fool. I realize this morning that if you're sitting here and you have any doubts about the accuracy and the relevancy and just anything that has to do with God's word, if you doubt it the least single bit, then you're not going to apply it to your life. You're not going to base your life on it, and you're going to eventually discard it completely, right? But it's important for you and I to understand this morning that when you look at ancient literature, the Bible is the most accurate piece of ancient literature that exists on our planet, and no other piece of literature even comes close to it. It's very important for you to understand that because especially for you young kids who are growing up in school right now, parents who have kids in school, you are sending kids to school, K through 12, who are being told the Bible is not real, God's not real. They're trying to promote all kinds of worldly things in school these days and make that part of the curriculum. And they're doing their best to do away with Scripture and discredit Scripture and discredit God completely. And when you go to universities, you go to college... And you pay all kinds of money for that four-year degree. You get these super smart people to educate your kids. They are telling them over and over again that the Bible is not real. God's word is not real. It's been changed. It's been written. It's been rewritten. It's been changed, then copied, then rewritten, then changed again. And they have all this stuff that they are telling your children. And if you don't realize this and you don't have enough sense to teach your kids the truth in that matter... Don't be surprised when they wander away from the faith because they've been led by who should be very intelligent people, who should be smart people, who should be guiding them in a lot of different ways, and they're leading them astray. It's very important for us to realize this morning that the Bible is the most accurate piece of ancient literature that we have on our planet. So let's talk about that. 
Last year sometime, we did the Hot Topic series, and we talked about God's Word, and I'm going to use a little bit of that information again today, but not all of it. But let's talk about the Old Testament real quick. All right? Let's talk about the accuracy and the reliability of the Old Testament, which Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, are dated back to 3,400 and something years old. Okay? 446. For, for literature to be that old, how in the world do we know that it's not been changed or rewritten or some king somewhere had it translated in his language and changed stuff and manipulated it to, for his agenda and today we just have the remnants of what used to be scripture. For the Old Testament, the greatest proof that we have are the Dead Sea Scrolls that was discovered on the East Banks. Let me find it real, real quick right here. I can't find it. Northwest shore of the Dead Sea. I'm sorry. The northwest shore of the Dead Sea. 1946 through 1947, some teenage shepherds were out tending their flocks, discovered these caves, and inside these caves were over 950 manuscripts with more than 15,000 fragments of manuscripts inside clay jars. And these scrolls who've been looked at by secular and biblical archaeologists and all the right people are estimated to be over 2,000 years old. When you think about the translations of Scripture, the King James in 1600 and all the different stuff that's happening on, people say, oh, it's been changed, it's been manipulated, it's been translated. When you take our Old Testament Scripture from Genesis to Malachi and secular and biblical archaeologists they look at the scripture and they compare it to the scrolls that were found in those caves. It is 98% accurate to what is written on those scrolls. And those scrolls have been untouched, unknown about for over 2,000 years. And so even though it's been translated multiple times and written in many different languages, and we look at it in our language today, what you have is a 98% accuracy. That's incredible. I don't know if you realize that or not, but there's a lot of textbooks that I had when I was in high school and college that as I was sitting there reading it, I found a lot of errors in those textbooks. You guys realize when stuff is printed, it's not always perfect. There's all kinds of grammatical errors. They have to have revisions and additions and all kinds of stuff to include information that was left out or information that's discovered later on. 98% accuracy. Then you look at the New Testament and you look at the 5,000 Greek New Testament manuscripts that we have, the 8,000 Latin New Testament manuscripts, and the other 1,000 New Testament manuscripts in various other languages. And you got to remember that the New Testament is also full of quotes of Scripture from the Old Testament. So a lot of the things that you're reading in the New Testament is actually Old Testament Scripture that they're quoting again in New Testament books. And the accuracy is 99.5% accurate compared to the ancient text that we have. The major variations, the differences in like the 98%, the 2% that we're missing, and the 0.5% we're missing in the New Testament, spelling and grammar. And, and all the professionals, all the scholars will say that basically we have 100% of the meaning of all this scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, 100% of the meaning brought to light through our text today. And the major differences are in punctuation, 
grammar, spelling. The major differences. Now this is important. Because let's just say you go to college. And you sit in a four-year university and you study English. And you go to an English professor. And you're learning about, let's just say, Homer's Iliad. No one would ever question whether or not the Iliad was a legitimate, accurate piece of ancient literature that you should be studying and using for a degree, right? You ever heard anybody say, no, the Iliad's questionable. We don't believe in that. We, you know, it's probably not accurate. So let me just kind of give you some information. We'll put that chart up there. So the Iliad has less than 650 manuscripts that we know of And it was never actually copied until after 500 years of the original manuscript existing. No one would ever question the Iliad. No one ever questions Pliny with only seven copies to compare it to. And it was never copied until after 750 years of the original existing. No one ever questions Plato, which only has seven copies with 1,200 years passing after the first copy was written. No one ever questions Caesar with with 1,000 years passing after the first copy, and then there's only 10 copies to compare it to. And no one ever questions Aristotle that only has 49 copies with over 1,400 years passing from the original copy before it was ever copied down. You with me this morning? All right, everybody wants to question and dog God's word and say, oh, this isn't reliable, this isn't accurate. You know, we have all these questions. There's no way it's the same. And no one ever questions these things that are taught in high school and college and universities when there's far less evidence to compare it to. And then you look at God's word, and there's over 20,000 different pieces of documents and portions of manuscripts and things that we compare it to, and you have a 99.5% rate for the New Testament and a 98% rate for the Old Testament. And it's far better than any of the other documents that we just mentioned. You with me today? Like their inaccuracies compared to the ancient text are far greater than the Bible is. But everyone always wants to question Scripture. Why is that? The amazing thing is, is that God, God's a planner, right? I mean, like when he created earth and he, he created human beings, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly that, hey, there's going to be a time where people think that they are so smart and so gifted and so advanced that they're going to begin to question everything about God and everything about God's word. And they're going to try to talk about all these inaccuracies and all these different things of why people shouldn't trust God's word and how all these people have all these different theories. And so I'm just going to store away all these little nuggets and all these little little things that people can discover so when the time is right, all this stuff can be discovered and it will reaffirm the legitimacy of my word. Because people can't plan that. I don't know about y'all, I can't plan a year in advance, much less a thousand years in advance, three or four thousand years in advance. I can't do that. But God can. And so you have something like the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is like one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of our time. And then here recently, last month, there was a small lead tablet found on Mount Ebal. And on this small lead tablet... There's scripture references to Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 15 through 16, and Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. And the small lead tablet is estimated to be around 3,000 years old. 
It was found on Mount Ebal, a place where Joshua and the people of Israel would have been. And so many people have questioned whether or not that that Moses could even write the first five books of the Bible because the Hebrew alphabet didn't even exist during that time. And there's no way that he would have been able to write it and blah, 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 blah. And here they have, for the first time, the God Yahweh mentioned on this lead tablet that's dated back to the time of Joshua and the people of Israel. It's just discovered here about a month ago. It's one of the greatest archaeological discoveries that we've had since the Dead Sea Scrolls. God continues to provide reasons for us to trust and approve his word, to use it as a light and a guide for our life in every aspect. And so while the whole world may be trying to discredit God's word, God continues to provide the opportunity to reinforce his word and the legitimacy and the accuracy of his word. And guess what happened whenever they compared the text on that tablet to what we have in Deuteronomy and Joshua that we read today? It's pretty good. It's about the same. You with me today? And so God keeps providing this way. And you're sitting here this morning, and I'm challenging. I know some of this stuff might be born to some of you, but you need to understand how important this is because Satan is going to try to make you doubt. And he's going to use the world to try to make you doubt. And if he can make you doubt, if he can take your faith away, then he takes your God away. And you don't have a God anymore because without faith, there is no relationship with the Lord. Your faith's dead. You have to make a choice in your life whether or not you're going to believe and you're going to trust. You're going to say, okay, I know everybody's saying this, but this is what we have. I mean, and this is stuff. Everything I'm giving you can be proven. It's like legitimate information this morning. You can research this. You can look this up. You can find it yourself. You have to understand today that Satan is going to want to take your faith away. We just spent nine weeks talking about faith. Your whole relationship with God is based off of faith. When you think about the word of God and you read this, you have to have faith that this is for you. If you don't believe it's for you, then you're never going to apply it to your life. You're never going to use it in your relationship with God. You have to have faith that this is for our church, for Graham Chapel. You have to have faith that this is for the kingdom of God, all Christians on earth, that it's applicable to us all and it's applicable to you and I as individuals. You got to have faith in that. And if Satan can take away your faith, he takes away God's word, he takes away your God, and then you have nothing. you got to make a decision as to what you're going to believe this morning. So point number two, the word is completely self-supporting. When you read God's word, it absolutely and 100% supports itself. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, from beginning to end, it completely and utterly supports itself. As I said earlier, over 10,000 references to Old Testament Scripture in the New Testament. When you're reading the New Testament, especially the New Testament, look at the footnotes. Look at your markings in Scripture and look down at the bottom of the page and look at how many times it refers you back to Old Testament Scripture that the writer of that epistle or that book in the New Testament is quoting Old Testament Scripture. Because you have to decide whether or not you believe that this was written by God or it was merely written by men. And it's really easy to say, well, they're just a bunch of guys writing books. How do we know that this is really God's word? They were writing books, especially in the New Testament. They were pointing back to Scripture and saying, remember this. Remember when God said this. This is Jesus. This is what we're talking about. These are how the prophecies were fulfilled. This is what God was doing. This is what God still wants to do in us and through us. This has been his plan all along. 66 different authors 
66 different people writing a book and 1,400 years spanning between all of them that wrote this book right here. And you have to decide for yourself, was this just written by people or was this written by God? Did God inspire these men to do this or did they just write it on their own? Let's look at another picture on the screen. I hope they can get this on the live stream. Let's pull up that graph. Let me explain to you what this graph is. This is the Bible, okay? And along this line on the bottom are all these little white lines that drip down. And every little white line that you see on the bottom of this graph is an individual verse of Scripture. Follow me so far? Now, however long that individual verse of Scripture is, that line is, is how many times that individual verse is referred to in some other part of the Bible. And then all the lines up above are all the connections that you make where that verse is connected to different other verses. 63,779 cross-references from verse to verse in God's Word. Now, back whenever the Bible was written, I don't think they had any clue what hyperlinked was. But this is the first hyperlinked thing to ever exist in our world. You know what hyperlinked is today. Most of you do. If you're older, you may not. But hyperlinked is whenever you put something, you can do it in a Word document, a PowerPoint. You, you see it on websites, you know, phone numbers. If you, if you click on a phone number on a website and it will ask you if you want to call, that's a form of hyperlink. It will t- actually call that number for you instead of you having to go back to your phone and put it in there. But you can hyperlink pictures, you can hyperlink information, you can hyperlink articles. So when you click on a word or something, if it's hyperlinked, it takes you directly to it. This, God hyperlinked his word thousands of years ago before anyone else even knew what hyperlinked was. And you can't take a mouse and necessarily click on it. But when you look today, each of these verses is referred to one another 63,779 times. Now, I want you to tell me how 66 people can exist within a 1,400-year span of one another and say, you know what we're going to do? I got an idea. Let's all just sit down and let's write some books today. Let's talk about how God is speaking to us and how God's going to send this Savior, and we're all going to give these like weird prophecies and all this stuff. And one day, hopefully, some guy's going to be born, and he's going to find all of our writings. And he's going to learn them all. Like the back. He's going to devote his whole life to our writings. We're, hopefully one day somebody will gather up all these writings and put them together so he can find them. Then he can learn them. And then he can spend his whole life making sure that he can fulfill over 400 and something prophecies that God has told us to write about him. Yeah, we're, we're just going to make this up and make it happen. Most of us can't figure out what we're going to do tomorrow, much less a year from now, five years from now, 1,400 years later. You with me today? And I want you to think about the prophecies that were fulfilled about Christ. There were a lot of things in his life early on, a lot of the prophecies that could have been like, yeah, you know, I don't believe that they were made. But the last several days of Jesus' life, when he was in the custody of other people and they were determining his faith and putting him to death, a lot of the last prophecies about Jesus' life were done to him by other people. 
it was stuff that had to be fulfilled that you couldn't do it on your own if you wanted to. What I'm telling you this morning is, is you have to look at God's word and you have to realize how intricately and beautiful and amazingly it's woven together. And the fact that 66 different people may have written it down on paper, but you have to look at it and understand that God was the one who was telling them what to write. This is why you can look at God's word and it fits together and works together so amazingly beautiful. And you pick up any other piece of literature in the world... Think about this. You pick up any other piece of literature in the world and you pick it up and you start reading it in the middle or you start reading it towards the end. Can you truly understand that passage of scripture? I mean, or that literature? You can't because you're missing significant portions of the story. But the amazing thing about God's word is you can pick it up anywhere. You can start reading it in any book, in any verse, in any time, and there's 63,779 different paths that God can take you on, and it all leads to the same thing, to each other constantly, in every aspect of it. The question is whether or not you believe it, whether or not you trust it, whether or not you're going to get there. You know, it's funny. I'm kind of scared to tell you this. I don't know if any of you have ever read the Bible from front to back, like Genesis, starting in Genesis and read all the way to Revelation. In my opinion, that's one of the boring, most boring ways to do it because it's just so rigid and you're just like approaching it from such a worldly perspective. But you can pick it up anywhere and you can start reading in God's Word and it's amazing on all the different paths that He can lead you on. And this is why you can take God's Word and you can read it every single day of your life for a hundred years. And you're always going to learn something new. You're always going to get a different message from the Lord. You're always going to get a different perspective. That's why 10,000 preachers stand up on Sunday morning and preach sermons. And they use similar passages of scripture. And all of them have different perspectives and different viewpoints. Because God is using it and speaking to people. Not only together corporately in worship. But also individually. I can stand up here and talk about God's word today and there's a lot of you who might be sitting out here thinking about verses of scripture that you would be using right now. Different perspectives, different things that you would be seeing right now because God speaks to us individually through it. And yet it is so interconnected and intricately woven together. There's no possible way that 66 people who were 1,400 years apart could plan to do it. You would need a computer to do this. Think about this. You had to have a computer to make this graph. Like, it's not even possible for us to sit down and hand-draw something like this hardly. It would be enormous. You'd take all the walls in this room to make this graph if we drew it by hand. It's a never-ending journey. This is one of those things you can pick up God's word and you can read it every day for the rest of your life. It's a never-ending journey. And in some ways that's daunting. In some ways that's like overwhelming. But it's something that you have to have faith to start that journey and be willing to travel on it every day for the rest of your life. You can always learn something new. Point number three, the word is God's word. The word's God's word. You gotta believe that. Over anything, you have to believe that this is God's word. 
when you think about the previous point, you can't deny that God had his hands on this thing. The sheer relevancy of God's word in itself should be enough to talk to us and show us how amazing his word is and the fact that it can be, some of it can be over 3,000 years old and yet we still read it today and it's still very applicable and useful to us today. Any of you ever go back and watch old movies or read old books or something like that? Things that you remember and like, oh, that was great. That was really good back in the day. Poor Hannah. I make Hannah watch all kinds of old movies and stuff with me that I used to love. Stuff that I watched in high school and college and just thought it was so funny and so good. And there's so many of these. I'm like, here, sit down and watch this with me. This is great. You know, we'll love this. And then it over and she's like, that wasn't that good. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't as good as I remember it being either. The humor's dated. I'm old now. I mean, it's like, you know, whichever one it is, probably a little bit of both. But it's like, you know, there, there's so many things in life that, that is just dated. And when you look at God's word, something that can be anywhere from 2,000 years old to 3,400 years old, and yet you can read it today, and you look at everything going on in the world, you can experience everything that's going on in your life, written by a completely different culture on a different continent thousands of years ago, and it's still very applicable and relevant to us today. And it's so important that we see that only God could orchestrate something like that. Yes, men may have written this down with their hand, but God told them exactly what to say. And when you go back and you read some of those prop, the, the books of the prophets from the Old Testament, they will say, on this day, on this time, God spoke to me and said, you know, Ezekiel, son of man, write this down. Jeremiah, write this down. Write this down. Write this down. He was instructing them the whole time, write this down. You don't know that a Bible is going to exist 2,000 years from now, but there is. I'm putting something together. This is going to be the most amazing thing the world has ever experienced. It is going to be so intricately complicated, and at the same time, little children will be able to read it and understand and gain from it. You with me today? But you got to believe it's God's word. You got to believe. And I won't, I'll share with you today. You with me? There are times in my life, especially early on, whenever I first started reading God's word, I had absolutely no clue what I was reading. No clue. And you, it can be frustrating. You're going to sit here. You're, you, some of you will commit to reading God's word. Some of you have already tried it, and you started reading it, and you're just like, I have no clue what I'm reading. This is so complicated. I don't understand this. But you have to make a decision in your life as to whether or not you are going to keep reading it and pray that God would help you understand it. And can I tell you something today? If you keep reading it, and if you commit yourself to it, eventually he will help you understand it. Now, I'm 20 years into it. There's a lot of things God's helped me to understand. There's a lot of things I'm still searching for and waiting on God to help me understand. Right? And you think about people like Billy Graham. One of my favorite stories about Billy Graham. He sits in a forest in California. He sits in the middle of the woods. He's sitting on a rock, and he has God's word, and he's been arguing with one of his friends who's just like arguing about whether or not God's word is truth, whether or not it's like 100% relevant, or you could just take it and just kind of apply it where you need it. And Billy Graham like sits there on that rock, and he says, God, I don't have the answers. I don't understand everything that's in here, but Lord, I'm putting my faith in you, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to receive it as 100% truth, 
And God, help me to understand this. And then you look at his life and you look at his ministry and it changed our country. He was the spiritual counselor to world leaders, to multiple presidents. I mean, to think about the ministry that he had, the millions of people that he's preached to, the thousands of salvations he'll be responsible for, that he'll get credit for in heaven because he was willing to sit on a rock one day and say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to receive this as your word. I'm going to believe this is your word, and I'm going to base my entire life on it. And there's some of you who are sitting in here this morning, and you're saying, like, I don't understand it. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. And you're just going to have to sit down, and you're going to have to make the commitment. God, I don't understand you. I don't understand your word. I don't understand how it all works. But, God, I'm going to put my trust and faith in you, and, and please show me this. I'm going to devote my life to this. I'm going to live by this. But, God, you've got to help me understand this along the way. And if you'll commit yourself to it, And if you'll live by and devote your life to it, he will be there. He will show up. He will show you. He will reveal things to you in his timing. Don't get frustrated. Don't give up. Don't quit so soon. But stay there with the Lord and let him work and move in your life. Can I give you a warning today? You can know this. You can know this and still be completely lost. I had a kid in our youth group a few years ago. They knew the Bible better than any kid I've ever had come through my youth group in 14 years. Extremely intelligent. I would give Bible trivia. I would give away candy and stuff, ask questions. They would answer faster than anyone else. They always knew the answers. They knew God's word better than any other kid I've ever had come to my youth group. And today they're still living in sin. They were living in sin then. They were living in sin now. Guys, you can know it. But if you don't believe that this is God's word, if you don't believe that this is what God has given, this is a gift specifically to you, to help you grow in him, then it's not going to change your life and it's not going to make a difference in your relationship with the Lord. You've got to believe that. And you've got to commit yourself to it. Now, I didn't use a lot of scripture today. You know, I always say you can't define a word with a word. We talk about how trustworthy God's word is. If I would have just roped off a bunch of verses to you for those people who don't believe that God's word is trustworthy, they're obviously not going to rely on his scripture to prove his trustworthiness, right? So I didn't use a lot of verses today. But I do want you to understand and I want you to realize that God's word is trustworthy. You can build your life on this. It's worth building your life. It's worth living your life. It's worth making decisions on. It's worth devoting your entire life to knowing God's word and doing your best with the help of God to live it out every day. It's worth that. It's trustworthy. And my hope is over the next several weeks to convince you guys to at least for the next 40 days to just make a a small commitment from the youngest person in here, youngest person in here to the oldest, to make a commitment that you're going to read one chapter of Scripture a day for the next 40 days. 
Because chances are most of us are not reading Scripture every day. But I want to challenge you for the next 40 days to try to sit down and read God's Word and to see whether or not it will be life-changing in your relationship with the Lord. To see whether or not God will speak to you. To see whether or not that this will have an impact in your spiritual life. Because I believe with my whole heart that it will. Can I give you a secret? I did this whenever I was younger. This is like one of the first things that I decided I was going to do as a Christian. I was going to read one, one chapter of scripture a day. And so what I ended up doing most of the time was coming home late, coming home from practice, coming home from a friend's house, 1, 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, and, and sitting down and realize, oh man, I haven't read my Bible yet. Open up to the book of Psalms. They have some of the shortest chapters that you can find. But commit yourself to reading one chapter a day. Don't skip out on it. Don't cheat God from his word. I mean, think about this. For God to use the world and 66 different people and all those thousands of years to create this amazing gift for your life, for you to benefit from, and you have such easy access to it, multiple copies at any given moment in time, and you carry it around on your phone and you can just click on it and read it any given time. Don't cheat yourself and don't cheat God out of knowing and investing your life in his word. It's one of the greatest investments you'll ever make. But the question is whether or not you believe it. And some of you sitting here this morning, you're going to say, I'm just not sure. And some of you are going to say, well, I just don't have time. And some of you are going to say, I just hate reading. And there's going to be all kinds of excuses and all kinds of things that are going to pop up in your mind right now as to whether or not you can spend the next 40 days just reading one chapter of Scripture out of God's Word. And I want to challenge you guys, make the decision. Do whatever you got to do to make the decision. If you have to turn in Psalms, there's a couple of chapters in there. It's like three or four verses long. It's like that long. And if that's all you got time for to read, then read that. Because I believe that God's word is powerful enough that even if it's that short, it can still work and move in your life in an amazing way. So the question is, is do you have faith? Some of you have read God's word. Maybe you haven't been reading as much as you should. But today I want to challenge us. God's word is trustworthy. Over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about a lot of other things that God's word is. And this is where we are. So every week, I want to remind you, 40 days. 40 days. Read one chapter of Scripture for the next 40 days and see how God uses it to change your life. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you so much for your word, for your love, and your mercy. And God, I just pray that we would not take for granted this amazing gift that you've given us. So much time and so much effort and so much obedience was given by people in order to make sure that this was here for us today. Lord, they didn't realize what it was going to be. They were just being obedient to you in that moment in time. And today, we are simply just called to be obedient to you. And Lord, as Jesus Christ himself knew your word, learned the scriptures, read the scriptures, read the prophet's writings himself, Jesus, who are we to think that we are better than Christ, that we should not be reading your word and living our life by it? I pray, God, that you would remind us 
of how amazing this gift is and how you can use it to change our relationship with you. We love you today, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.